Is it one of the world's leading gins at this stage? Well, in the, in, if we look at some of the Nielsen, say, in North America, we are now, in terms of the, the, pre, the, the, the super premium and ultra premium, we're in the top seven, we're in the top eight um, in the US from, from zero, from a, from a, which, which is quite a quite Hang a on a second. Within four years? Yes. Yeah. And we're competing with the best the world has to offer. The Architects of Business with EY Entrepreneur of the Year telling the inspirational stories behind Ireland's most successful entrepreneurs. Hello and welcome to the Architects of Business, made in partnership with EY Entrepreneur of the Year, where you will hear the inspirational stories of some of Ireland's most successful entrepreneurs. I'm Sonia Lennon, broadcasting remotely at this time, and on this week's show, I catch up with Pat Rigney, the creator of Drumshambo Gunpowder Gin, already one of the world's most successful gin brands after just four years in existence. The Shed Distillery Experience, a stunning new visitor centre, opened this month in County Leitrim, despite the twin terrors of COVID and Brexit. If you haven't already done so, click subscribe to get a brand new show directly into your feed. Pat Rigney of The Shed Distillery, I'm so delighted to have you on Architects of Business for the second time. Uh, I think it's safe to say that your story has evolved considerably, not least uh, because of the twin terrors of COVID and Brexit, but also because of the organic growth of Drumshanbo gin uh, into 60 territories across the world. Remind us just before we go forward, the birth of the Shed Distillery is, um, I suppose, an extraordinarily human story. How did it all start? Well, it started in 2014, on the 21st of December, when we opened the distillery. And at that stage, we had one employee. And our vision was to create uh, what we call remarkable brands that would compete in the best in the world. Um, we were based at a social enterprise at uh, the food hub in Drumshambo. Um, I had a lot of experience in the drinks industry for many years. And we started out really on a, on a journey um, that has taken us to the point now where we're on sale in 60 markets around the world. We have 50 employees. Um, we're still in growth despite the huge challenges of COVID. And our lead brand, Drumshambo Gunpowder Irish Gin, is competing with the, the best the best brands in the world in, in the most challenging marketplaces from the United States to Australia and, and across Asia. I'm going to ask you about that because you're, you're, I find you have a very interesting viewpoint on why the brand over the product has succeeded. But let's go back a little bit to, to Leitrim, Leitrim and, and to, I suppose, the deep embedding of your business into as you said yourself, what was initially a social enterprise. So um, this this facility was dormant. Uh, the community was in dire need of employment. And, and you swept in with um, very deep sectoral skills. In what way is the Shed holding on to its social enterprise credentials? Well, I hope that we continue to do that and that will always be at the core of what we do. We're actually physically based at a social enterprise. So where we are, we lease it from the local community and um, everything that we do there 
is connected with the local communities. The whole site is the former Laird's Jam Factory that unfortunately went out of business. And this site had been semi-vacant for, for many, many years, and the community had put together um, uh, a group of people to try and, and get generate some jobs in the area. Um, Enterprise Ireland were involved, and um, when I went to meet these folks um, back in late 2013 and into 2014, we, we, we struck a you know, we struck a chord immediately and, you know, it's great connection, great karma, and they couldn't do enough for us. And so when we started the distillery, we started to hire from the local area. Um, the distiller came from the United States, Brian Taft, who's an outstanding individual, so we didn't have those skills. But one by one, we hired people from the area, um, many of whom had been unemployed for quite some time, up to eight years. And uh, we trained, are they... We trained them and they've worked with us with a great attitude to create something very special. So I think it's it's at the root of what everything that we do, and we will continue to be located there and continue to work with the local community um, for years to come. Now, I have to say that the facility which is appearing behind you looks more Neverland than neglect at the moment. You have transformed, which was a a building that was much unloved for a long time into something extremely special. Yes. um, Initially, we, we put a lot of effort into getting the inside of the building working with all the equipment for distillation, bottling, maturation and all the various things that we needed to do and then we undertook a project to bring visitors to the distillery so they can see our story and experience the brand and see for themselves that we distill every drop at the distillery and take that with them around the world so we've invested a considerable amount of money in this project we're very proud of the fact that it was designed in Belfast um, translated then by a local architect built by local craftsmen and then many, many other parts of the building are um, from the north of Ireland, uh, including the, the greenhouse from Port Rush, the lighting, and so on. But I have a wonderful team. And Eva Kelly, uh, who is uh, Bill Kelly's daughter from uh, Kelly's Hotel, has been working with us for a number of years. And she has led this project um, with Joe Dolan um, and has done an extraordinary job to make it happen because it's a hugely complex task. So and, when was uh, we, this idea hatched? When, when, what, what was the incubation point? Well, I think once the distillery was up and running, so around the 2016, 2017 mark, we I began to think about building a visitor's experience. We obviously had to design it. We had to get planning permission. We had to ensure we had enough cash to build it without uh, putting the business at risk. And then we started. And um, and obviously, we had some delays due to COVID. But we're hoping to bring 30,000 people there over the next 12 months. Uh, We've already got 20 new jobs uh, in situ um, since we opened in September, earlier this month. And um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. It's a bit like building Knock Airport. You know, (laughs) when you build something like this, um, you hope people will come along. And so far, so good. And do you think there's a capacity there to expand your workforce even more? Um, Yes, I'm sure there is. I mean, our, our business is thankfully is growing through COVID and all the challenges of COVID. Um, we have about 50 in total employed now at the moment. Um, I'm sure there is opportunity to grow. We've probably become a little more automated in certain aspects of the business. I'm sure uh, a lot of it's quite manual and handmade at the moment. 
But I think, yes, there is capacity to grow more employment and, and good employment and uh, local employment. And I think, and f- funny, you know, employment is always used as a metric for success. It's, 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 it's more than that, though, isn't it? Because what you've created um, at the distillery has huge ripple effects into the community and, and creates a buoyancy around it. Yes, I certainly hope so. And we have, um, you know, we work very closely with Leitrim County Council, um, all the local businesses and hotels now in relation to the visitor's experience. And we hope that it will be a destination. So people will be inclined to visit from Shambo, visit the Shed Distillery, hopefully have a wonderful time, you know, participate in the, in the Greenway that's nearby, go to the Arigna Mines, which is 10 kilometres up the road, maybe go on the Shannon, stay in the local hotels. So everybody wins. But the support we've got from the community has been exceptional. And, um, you know, we, we would not be where we are today without that. And that needs to continue. It's the old traditional metal uh, at work. And um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's very gratifying. But, you know, you're only as good as your, as your last performance. So we got to keep, yeah. keep on it. So I'm going to come back and ask you in a moment about... Um, I suppose that the challenges in in getting the doors open for the experience and the challenge, the future challenge of how to navigate COVID with a, a personal experience. But I, I have to ask you, and I know that you are a man whose blood is coursing with humility, but, you know, there is a, a sort of an underlying sense that you are the unelected president of Leitrim. Leitrim is a small <laughs> enough community, but but they they reach out pretty far. Am I right? They've got an incredible reach all over the world. And, you know, we're getting uh, messages from all over the world, you know, wishing us the best of luck with this new venture from, you know, from everywhere from the US to um, to Australia and Asia. Um, I am actually now a uh, ambassador for Leitrim. They've asked me to become an ambassador for the county, which I am and very delighted to do that. Um, Global ambassador. Well, yes, if somebody wants to invest in Leitrim, <laughs> they have my phone, they get my phone number. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's, it's great. Excellent. Uh, yeah. But, you know, it's a very, I'm very aware it's a very competitive business we're in. We're, you know, we're up against global brands with deep pockets. Um, and we just have to stay very focused on on our business. So let's talk about that. Um, the the Drumshambo Gunpowder Gin uh, a phenomenal success, the first brand and product out of the stable. How, how does a small, uh, small run producer, um, admittedly with, with, with great potential to, to, to make more, go in head to head with the big guys with the deepest pockets in the world and, and win? How does that happen? Well, I mean, I know this sounds a bit... Uh cliche but you actually need a little bit of luck um along the way um and i think we got we got a little bit of fair wind on this one i think the brand itself is has the x factor and sometimes it just happens and everybody's looking for it um so i think our brand is very special both in how it's put together the story behind it um the fact that there's a real person behind the brand uh, this curious mind of PJ Whitney, and we distill it all ourselves, and it's presented in a certain way. So there is a bit of magic, um, and sometimes that just happens. And we all look at the X Factor and all these shows, and sometimes somebody walks out, and it just it just clicks. Um, 
and it's very hard to manufacture that and it's very hard to replicate that. Um, so I think that's the first aspect of it. So we, we started off with a great brand and a great story, but we have an extraordinary team. We have very resourceful people from all different backgrounds who have come together to do something really special. Um, they do not necessarily come from the more formal uh, backgrounds um, in terms of uh, education and so on, although they're highly educated, but they have done great things. And um, I think that that's been absolutely critical. I'm one guy, I can only do so much. And I think very quickly we captured the imagination of Mr. Retailer, Mr. Importer around the world and, and bit by bit the consumer then has followed and then we've built momentum. Um, and we're working with um, family businesses in every part of the world. So because we're not a multinational, we work with family companies, which means we build very close relationships with them. We move very quickly. Um, and, um, you know, as I always say, perfection is the enemy. We will make it perfect in six months time or 12 months time, but it's all about speed and it's about momentum. And that's how we try to operate. What I love about the brand that you've built um, is is that it it hinges off story, and your alter ego PJ Rigney is at the heart of that story. Um, he he's a very evocative guy. He's he's very rounded and and mysterious at the same time. The Experience Center um, is his world. You must have been given advice to shelve it to to not continue in these uncertain times. Yes, I mean, I mean, absolutely. And uh, the challenge with these visitors' experiences is that they don't necessarily make a whole lot of money, and in fact, they can cost you money in, in the long haul. Um, but we we were committed to do it. Um, I was committed also to Drumshambo um, to actually make this this happen. We think in the long haul this is the right decision, and we can take the long view because we're not a, you know, we're not answering to shareholders in a in a public market. So we decided just to get on with it. And I think uh, already we're seeing a a huge reaction, not just in Ireland from those who've been there or have heard about it, but from our distributor partners around the world. It's given them a real boost of confidence that this company and this brand, these guys are serious and they're going to stay the course with us. So we're certainly getting that reaction and um, which is very important during these tough times. So it's a signifier of intent from from yes. the shed. Fantastic. I think so. so yeah, and, and more than we had imagined, to be honest with you. We didn't expect that. That's amazing. Um, so talk to us a little bit about COVID um, and then we'll come to the dreaded Brexit. Um, for a lot of businesses, COVID meant a seismic shift <clears> in in everything from, from revenue to how things are done on a day-to-day basis. What were the impacts for you? Yeah, I mean, the first impact was, uh, I, I go right back to the beginning of March, it was an absolute shock uh, of, of what was coming our way. I have strong relations in uh, Asia, and I have very good relations in China, and they were explaining to me what was going on, and it was horrifying. And so we were very, very concerned that the, the bottom would fall out of the market. So um, we did a, a short period in in March, where we supplied sanitizer in the Northwest and to certain hospitals around the country for a period, and Tesco. We were very proud to supply them on a 24-hour basis with a relay system, just because it was a shortage. Once once we got through that, we got back to business. And what happened was that our retail business 
uh, everywhere performed particularly well. So we were delighted with that. Obviously, the hotel, restaurant, bar business, and our partners in that end of the world had a, are having a terrible time. And that's obviously um, very difficult for us and very challenging. The other area that's very tough for us is travel retail, which is all the airports around the world where we do a lot of business and ferries and cruise ships that evaporated. And for a period, South Africa was closed. So South Africa closed twice. That's an important market for us. And reopened and then closed again, and it's reopened again. We had issues about, uh, in one or two cases, of getting paid and so on, as you might expect. But we just worked our way through it. Uh, everybody muscled in, and uh, yeah, we just got to keep going. And as a company, then, say 2019, you know, in revenue terms, where is the shed as as an overall business? Well, our financial year is um, actually the end of this month, and we we will we will our revenue will be in and around the nine million euros, um, and that is you know. That'll be up, uh, you know, a couple of million in the previous previous year. So it's a, pr- a fairly decent performance in very tough circumstances, um, and that's a credit to the team and to the brand and the fact that we had some momentum before COVID. And um, so, where is that growth then? Because you know, a whole sector of your business is is crucified. Um, yeah. how did you how did you manage to make up that growth in these times? Well, much of that has come from retail um, in all in all markets, um, you know. So so it's it's and we had an innovation pipeline with various new initiatives that were coming on stream before COVID, not knowing what that COVID was coming, and that has carried us as well. I mean, the real test is going to be as we come into 2021 to see can we maintain that uh, momentum and can we maintain that growth? We're doing particularly well in places like the United States, in the UK, France, Germany. They, you know, Ireland has held up very well under the circumstances. I think the fact that we're in many markets has been a huge help. We're also seeing a change at the retailer end where they're beginning to back what they call the winning brands. So maybe they're not carrying as many brands as they did in the past. The consumer spending less time in the store. So they will maybe manage their shelf in a different way than they did pre-COVID. So maybe maybe that that's an issue, that's something that's helping us a little bit as well. With gin in in the public psyche, how, how come one minute none of us were talking about gin, and the next minute everybody was talking about it, and all of a sudden every uh, every bar had fifteen gins on offer? How did that happen? I think I think consumers are looking for a, you know an, an experience, and uh, they're looking to explore a bit, like they you know folks explore with wine and food. Um, gin is a very interesting way of you know having a, a really interesting experience and, and maybe trying a number of different brands what we're seeing now is that consumers are beginning to settle into a smaller selection of brands and staying with them they're the ones that they fall in love with and they go back to you know if you go to just about anywhere in the world they'll say oh my god you know when you when you bring out it you're wonderful gunpowder, Trump Shamba gunpowder, Irish gin, they'll say, oh my God, not another gin. 
the Mr. Byer is saying, God, please don't bring one out because, you know, he's got uh, so many in front of him. I was in one retailer in Italy recently. Now, it was a special speciality store. I need 620 gins. So yeah. how do you survive in that? Um, so we have massive competition, you know. Um, so there's local gins, regional gins, international gins. Um, and everywhere you go, there's intense competition. So we really have to be on our game at all times if we are going to get the listing, retain the listing. And you spoke about the the sort of magical quality of, you know, drum shambo gunpowder gin in terms of the X factor and how, uh, and you spoke about luck, I suppose, importantly. Yeah. I would love to hear about the the newer brands within the stable and, and how replicable that X factor piece is. Yeah, I mean, the X Factor, I mean, I'm unfortunate to have been around in the industry for a little while. I mean, I, I was, I worked in Bailey's for 10 years and Bailey's had the magic and they were first move, they had the first mover advantage. Um, and they managed the brand incredibly well over, over many years. And I described them as the Google heads at that time. Um, I was around when Malibu was created. Um, I managed that brand for a while. And many of these brands were just created by, by individuals in a particular part of the world that just had an idea. I created Sheridan's and so on. And sometimes it just works. And um, and people post-rationalize why it works. And that's why many of the larger drinks companies struggle to create the new brands because when you put it through a formula, um, you don't always get the magic and the magic is very hard to create. So, um, you know, the the X factor that's in Drumshamma Gunpowder has certainly carried us um, to where we are today. Is it one of the world's leading gins at this stage? Well, in the, in, if we look at some of the Nielsen, say, in North America, we are now, in terms of the, the, pre, the, the, the super premium and ultra premium, we're in the top seven, we're in the top eight um, in the US from, from zero, from a, from a, which, which is quite a quite Hang a on a second. Within four years? Yes, yeah, and we're competing with the best the world has to offer. So, but you know, we have to maintain our position. We have to enhance our position. We we can't sit in our laurels. It's very early days. You know, we're small, um, but we've got great partners. You know, we. So Pat, when the doors are closed and the lights are off and the mics are off and nobody can see you, do you ever just do a dance of delight and and become so un un uh, fettered in your joy with what you've done? Because well, it is a phenomenal achievement. It, it, I do pinch myself, uh, particularly with the visitor's experience when we open that. I pinch, is this really happening? Can this really be true? Um, I do, I do. I suppose we're just so busy sometimes. And the COVID thing has probably put a little bit of a damper. Um, when it's over, I'm, I'm going to take a few, few weeks off and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to party but I haven't had a chance to do that. Well, (laughs) this is interesting because when it's over, um, you know, the historical data in economical terms will tell us that we're all going to party. So when we're out of this, um, the opportunity for the growth in your business is phenomenal. I hope so. I think people will be desperate to travel. I think they'll be, you know, very keen to go out and spend time with friends and in bars and restaurants who've had such a tough time. And um, so I would hope there would be great joy. 
And it's very interesting. I have a message from from uh, China back in February from a French gentleman that we do a lot of work with. And um, he predicted exactly what would happen before it happened. And he said at the end of it all, it'll be like the Second World War. You know, when it's over, people will party. Uh, we just have to wait yeah. for the vaccine. But I think it will. There will be an uplift for sure. We were talking to Mary McKenna um, of Tour America, one of your alumni of uh, Entrepreneur of the Year with EY, and she has predicted a, a travel boom in 2022. Um, I, I certainly hope they'll be on cruise ships drinking drum shambo while they're doing it. Um, I guess we have to talk about Brexit because um, it is the, the mess that won't go away at the moment. What, what is the impact on, on your suite of products and brands? Brexit, I think probably the, the, the biggest concern at the moment would be in the area of transportation um, and the, the land bridge. I would be deeply concerned about that and getting goods in and out, particularly for our, our smaller markets um, across Europe where goods go groupage. Um, so we'd, we would have product leaving almost every other day and it's been consolidated and it's been it's going land bridge into, into, into continental Europe. So that's going to, it's going to be delays, significant delays, I expect, on that. There were pundits on the radio this morning talking about a backlog of 4,000 trucks into the UK, yeah. um, which is just, it's, it's not viable. So what are the options for Ireland now? A, a scramble to look at other routes um, being called from the Oireachtas to, uh, yesterday, you know. If you, if you were put in the seat um, of leadership here, what would you be doing about this? Well, I think the first thing we have to do is, and I heard some other comments on it, we have to have the direct ferries into northern France on a daily basis, maybe one, maybe two, uh, whatever it takes to get over the hump. Um, and we will need some support on on uh, cost, the cost of that, because for a period, until, for a transition period, land bridge is the cheapest and fastest way of getting stuff into continental Europe, by and large. A lot of what we would ship for the smaller markets, you know, maybe it's it's six pallets, it gets gets consolidated with something else, goes in a truck. Maybe that truck drops something off in the UK and keeps going to to France or whatever or, or Belgium. That that's going to be lost to us, I suspect, in the short to medium term. So I think the ferries um, with a, with uh, clarity around uh, daily services with some governmental support, that's probably number one priority right now, if they did nothing else. And so the UK as a market for you, what percentage of your overall revenue is that? It's, it's a very important market. It's about 15% of, of our market and we're doing well in the UK. As we understand it at the moment, it doesn't appear to be tariffs that will be applied to our, our, um, our brands. Having said that, there's going to be a lot more paperwork we generally ship through Northern Ireland. So that we just see how that pans out. So it may not be as, because we're very close to the border. So it may not be as challenging. Um, Punitive. Yeah, we'll see. Um, we're, we're just waiting to see where that goes. And so with that uncertainty, is there, I mean, you're in 60 markets already. Um, in terms of the other brands and the and the growth potential within um, the company, we haven't spoken about them. You might just give us yeah. a little introduction. Sure. We have, uh, 
Drum Shambo Single Pot Still Irish Whiskey. So that's the first whiskey from Connacht in over 105 years. So that's on the market now, and we're delighted with that. Um, it's on allocation uh, because the quantities are relatively small. Um, and I and think sold out first batch. Sold out, and we just can't keep up with demand. That's really a function of probably a number of things. First of all, we didn't produce a huge amount. Um, the quality is exceptional. What is a run? What, what was run, the first oh run? What's gosh. Sort of uh, we, we, we can make we can literally make a couple of casks a day. It's, it's small, right. which is not which is not very much. Um, but with, there's a huge focus on the craft on the quality. Uh, our single pot still is crafted with our distilled with Irish oats, and malt barley, and malt barley. It's done. It, it's a, like a premier Grand Cru wine. Okay. So it's a real top end. Um, so we have a limited quantity. Great reaction so far. Um, we will have more coming on stream over the next few years. And then we have our vodka, which is called Sausage Tree Pure Irish Vodka. And that we're very excited about. And we're about to roll that out in 2021 into European and North American markets. So that is a vodka that's based on the, uh, with some ingredients from Africa, from my travels there. There's a, a fruit called wow. Sausage Tree Fruit. It's a purifier and we, Mix that with Irish nettles, which is also a purifier, and uh, and uh, Irish grain, and then we create this amazing vodka in a beautiful package. And do you think vodka has the potential to? Because whiskey has its own market, and I can yes. I can imagine that there is a, a particularly for a premium product, there's a huge demand in in uh, China and Japan, and that there's the you know it's a very different thing, I suppose. Yes. Could vo- vodka be the next big thing? Well, vodka is a huge category as it stands. Um, it's a much bigger category than gin uh, around the world. And, you know, we just need a small part of that to, to make it successful. And I, I think it complements what we're doing with Drumshamba Gunpowder Irish Gin very well. I honestly believe Drumshamba Gunpowder Irish Gin would be our flagship brand and the others will be there to support it. Um, that's, that's probably where we'll end up. Ooh, I'm excited about that. That sounds <laughs> wonderful. Um, I suppose the real test of the metal of any business, but moreover, any business owner is is how they cope in crisis. Has the alumni of Entrepreneur of the Year um, been a support to you and have you been a support to it during these times? The simple answer is yes. Um, They've been a support to me in in many different ways uh, where I had particular issues that I just didn't know how to deal with or I just needed somebody to talk to. So, you know, in relation to hygiene, uh, human resources, dealing with certain, you know, private issues that I just maybe wouldn't want to speak to somebody else about. And I was able to get some solace and support and it might have only been a five minute conversation. Um, I, I hope I've been a support as well on a number of occasions where people you know, just wanted a bit of advice or just a, a suggestion, but it's a great network. Yeah. Wow, it's 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 amazing because every time we talk about the the network, um, it it all comes back to trust that you're yeah. with a group of like minded people, um, who trust each other even when yes. the chips are down. Absolutely, and uh, yeah, I mean everything is based on trust, and trust is a very delicate flower. Um, yeah, when the chips are down, you know, there's only certain people you really feel that you can talk to. Hmm. And uh, I would feel, 
you know, very comfortable at asking folks in the, in the, in the, on the alumni group for advice. You know, we've, a great example would be Rachel in the Arboretum in uh, Lachlan Bridge, who gave us some wonderful advice on our visitors experience. Um, Fabulous. Uh, you know, we worked with Pat McDonough and Supermax with um, sanitizer during a period when there was none available to, to supply him with some and so on. Um, so, you know, everybody quietly and discreetly kind of helping each other out pulling together and if there's one other element of the group other than trust it's resilience um the chips are never down for long with this gang um pat thank you so much for taking the time to spend with me today on architects of business it as always is my pleasure thank you so much thank you Thanks for listening and watching Architects of Business, made in partnership with EY Entrepreneur of the Year. Thanks to the whole team here at Joe and to our entrepreneur today, the fabulous Pat Rigney. If you haven't already done so, click subscribe to never miss a show. The Architects of Business with EY Entrepreneur of the Year, telling the inspirational stories behind Ireland's most successful entrepreneurs. 